This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile. And again, I'm joined by my friend and fellow co-expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? Noah, doing well. Uh, the snow is still hanging on here in northern Colorado, my friend. But uh, we are uh, counting down, hopefully, till the end of the lockout at some point before, you know, I don't know if the snow is going to go away or the lockout will first. It'll be a tough one. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm not a person who ever sets bars high. So I'm just hoping that they will be uh, the lockout will end by the time you and I pass away. Okay, that's a good that's a good bar. I like that. Well, so and, and whoever goes first, as long as the lockout ends <laughs> before that, oh, and, I, mean, I, that I can be like, pleasantly surprised if it ends in 2025. Yeah, I, uh, I I think the whole baseball world is just bummed right now because obviously nothing happened in the last meeting, but at least it lasted longer than the previous one. There's your only glimmer of hope right there. Which again, that's setting the bar low. Absolutely. Hey, get us a meeting that's longer than five minutes. Hey, you it was eight or nine or whatever it was. It we're making progress. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. You know, and, and I know so many people were uh, you know, surprised that the Rockies announced the the Las Vegas trip against the Diamondbacks. And, you know, Las Vegas has two of those weekends back-to-back scheduled uh, with the A's and the Guardians playing first. Uh, but, you know, MLB has to plan for what could happen if the strike – or, sorry, lockout ends early. So I, it, it wasn't that much of a surprise to me. you still got to plan stuff even if you don't know what's going to happen. And something I found very interesting this week, too. You know how uh, MLB – refuse to use the names of players or anything like that and they they essentially shut down all live programming Mm -hmm. this week they uh, i know they started back up with hot stove the morning show on mlb network but mlb tonight may have started before that i'm not positive though but they're they can just magically talk about players now they can't show their pictures but like they were talking about, and we'll talk about him here because we aren't owned by MLB, Trevor Story. Like uh, I happen to just see that graphic on the screen of Trevor Story, of course, the blank MLB logo. But they were talking about his stats and Carlos Correa's stats. And I'm like, wow, all of a sudden just, oh, we don't want to break any legal rules or anything like that. And then a month and a half later, oh, we can talk about him again. Now, things haven't changed in that regard. It's just they were let's call it like we see it they were being overprotective and also they're owned by mlb and and let's and there's only so many times you can show the bad news bears and little big league i mean let's be honest there's only so many times that that's going to run for you're actually going to have to start talking about something and as much as i love baseball seasons they haven't played that in like five years on mlb network they've been playing it a ton recently can we get some episodes of new episodes of Prime Nine? I mean, it, yeah. it's not that hard to ask for. Yeah, now's the time to do that if you're going to, you would think. But hey, what do we know? So you what mentioned do we know about story? marketing because, uh, well, I'm not the best person at marketing because I did not get a marketing degree, but I, I think I'm better than MLB. 
I do have to say, not a, again, not a high bar, but no. Well, you mentioned Trevor's story, so let's talk about and I and again, once again, the ex Rocky shortstop Trevor Story. Uh, let's talk about his potential landing spots. And there was an article that you and I found very interesting out of New York, uh, the New York Post. Ken Davidoff uh, talked about Trevor Story coming to the New York Yankees. And no, I think what stunned you and I, not so much that Story could be going to the Yankees, which let's be honest, that's a possibility. But the fact that uh, the writer said that Story would land with the Yankees for five years and $110 million. That is $30 million less than Javi Baez got with those Detroit Tigers. And also, too, a year less as well. Yeah. Because Baez got uh, six years. Yeah. And you mean to tell me that you think, even with injuries, you think that Trevor Story is a worse shortstop than Javier Baez? And I think that... Okay, maybe you can make an argument, but Trevor Story is going to hit better than, for example, in 2020, uh, Baez hit 203 with a 599 OPS. But you said something a minute ago, and we've talked about it on this podcast, and I will tell you, the whispers are out there about Trevor Story being injured. And I think that until Trevor Story has an offseason to actually show that he's still got arm strength and everything's okay from that injury he suffered last year, then those whispers are going to continue. And the, the bad part for Story is he doesn't have an offseason to show it off because he's got to sign with a brand new team. Yeah. And that brings up the question of whether or not he might go to a team on a one-year deal. Does yeah. he return to the Rockies on a one-year deal? You know, that's, that is honestly the only possibility. And even then I just don't see it with the goodbyes and everything that has happened. I don't see story coming back. I can see him signing somewhere for one year to chase a ring next year to show that he can hit outside of course, to show that his arms. Okay. To show all this stuff to the doubters, but I don't see him being back at course field next year, unless it's in the visiting dugout. Yeah, I, I, I don't foresee it either. But if if he does, you know that you you can file it under the ever growing file of that's baseball. I mean, yep. sometimes stuff happens, and who knows if the lockout ends next week, he has a little bit of time where he can sign before spring training. But if the lockout ends in twenty twenty five, he doesn't. <laughs> so. No, no, you're right. And and I think timing will have a lot to do with it. But I also think that, you know, and I think the thing, again, that jumped out at you and me so much about this is the undervaluing of Trevor Story in this market. If Absolutely. we really think if we really think that Correa is still going to be a $300 million guy, that's a third of the value almost that Trevor Story would be perceived as. And to me, that is insane. And the thing is, too, if you look, uh, let's look at story and his games played. He had 142, but you can argue that he played injured, which that's valid. 2020 played in 59 games. 
2019, 145, 157 and 18, 145 and 17, and 97 and 16. Of course, that's when he injured the thumb sliding into second right. base. Right. You look at Carlos Correa. Now, granted, Correa is two years younger. Well, two, uh, a year and 10 months younger. But he played in 148 games in 2021. He played in 58 in 2020. But he played in 75 and 19, 110 and 18, 109 and 17. 16, he played 153. 15, he played in 99. So before this year, the last time he played in more than 110 games in a season was 2016. That's a really good point. It absolutely is. Now, if he's healthy, as we saw this year, he is one of the best offensive players in baseball. But is he going to be healthy for 10 years? Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's let's not discount the Coors Field hangover. Let's not discount what that does to the athletes going in and out of Denver so often. You know, Story has been a workhorse getting through that. So I think to when you talk about Correa's games played and you talk about stories games played and then add in there what coming in and out of altitude means on road trips and everything else, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that right there. And now, obviously, DJ LeMahieu is older than Correa by six years. But in 2020, for example, shortened season, he had an OPS plus of 178. In 2019, his first year with the Yankees, he played in 145 games with a 136 OPS plus. Correa in 2021 had an OPS plus of 131. So and he had a 137 in 2019 in 75 games. Obviously, yeah. and that's part of the reason why LeMayhew's contract is lower is he's older. But I mean, are you... LeMay, who's been more healthy, A, he's more versatile. And he showed that outside of Colorado that he could hit. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that the whole they're not going to hit outside Colorado thing, DJ took a huge uh, whack at that brick wall. And I think, I think you know, dare I say, Nolan did the same thing. Uh, you know, I think that people are realizing that if you can hit in Colorado, you can hit anywhere. And people will realize that with Trevor Story when and if he signs somewhere else. But you still have people like the New York media who are dumber than a box of rocks. And they live in their own bubble in New York City or like in politics in Washington, D.C. If you live outside of New York, Washington, D.C., sorry, you don't exist. Sorry, you aren't good. No, that's not how it works. You have to look at the entirety of the entire sport or whatever you're looking at. Not just, oh, well, I, this player played for the Yankees, so he must be good. No, that's that's not how it works, especially when, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the Yankees, they last won a World Series in uh, 2009. It's been a little bit. And, you know, and the thing that I go back to is that you know, this will tie into our second half of our talk that we're going to do today on the Hall of Fame. But that is the biggest thing that is going to keep 
a Todd Helton from getting in the Hall of Fame until probably the last minute, much like Larry Walker did, is that you have a lot of East Coast writers who, A, the West either doesn't exist or Denver is the moon, therefore. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that is a huge problem whenever it comes to guys like Larry Walker, when it comes to guys like Billy Wagner, you know, there's, there's a lot of players that spend the majority of their careers outside of the East coast. And eventually it catches up with them because there are East coast, a, a number of East coast riders then voting for hall of fame. And, and there gets to be a problem there. And to, to that point, Derek Jeter was inducted the same year as Larry Walker on his first ballot. Yep. Now, granted, Jeter has a long postseason resume and much longer than Larry Walker, much longer than anybody. But who has the higher career war? Larry Walker, who has the higher war seven, meaning the, the seven best years of their career by war? Larry Walker, who has the highest jaws, which is the Jay Jaffe war score system. Larry Walker, of course, who played in 800 fewer games in their career doing that. Larry Walker, who played in three fewer seasons. Larry Walker. But yet Derek Jeter is viewed as a first ballot Hall of Famer, which there's there's an oxymoron right there. Either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. It's, it shouldn't be first ballot, but that's. You're part of the BBWAA, so they aren't all bad. But when people, uh, when a lot of uh, the people in the BBWAA say that, they're they're full of crap. Um, but Larry Walker got seventy six point six percent on his tenth ballot. Yep. Derek Jeter got ninety nine point seven on his first. Yeah, and. You know, granted, there was a lot of postseason uh, at that point in Jeter's career, a lot of postseason wins, a lot of postseason moments, uh, you know, that that stand out regarding Jeter. I think David Ortiz is going to get in this year. Uh, again, whether he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, as you pointed out, I don't know, but I think he will be this year. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with had he spent his whole year with or his whole career with the Minnesota Twins, would Ortiz be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Or Absolutely would he not. be? Yeah. So I, I think that we've got to realize that. And, and again, like we talked about in our last podcast, I don't think there's a perfect system for voting in Hall of Fame. I really don't. No. I, and I, but I also think this is the best system that you've got, but there are flaws with it just like there is with everything else. I think that we have to, no matter where you live, you have to say, yeah, there's some bias that creeps in there, obviously. Well, and that's the thing that there's so many people in our time now that think everything has to be perfect. Like with, for example, the automated uh, strike zone and robots calling it. Guess what? They don't even call it right. There's a reason why the Atlantic League is getting rid of the electronic strike zone. There were people getting ejected after arguing with the electronic strike zone. Sure. It's not perfect. No. We don't live in a perfect world. Get over it. <laughs> you know, and, and as you as you mentioned, I'm a member of the BBWAA, and I'm proud to be a member of the BBWAA. But I think if you ask any member of the BBWAA, they would tell you that, A, 
there are some flaws to the system and B, not everybody who's in the BBWAA keeps up with things the way that they should. Yeah. And I would say that about sports writers in general, I would say that about people in general, you know, so, so let's, let's take some of the bias out of it by admitting that maybe just maybe those folks outside the East coast can play some pretty good ball as well. When it's just like voting in an election and this past presidential election in the United States, we had 155 and a half million people vote. And guess what? It wasn't perfect. There were issues, whether it, it was fixed or whether it wasn't fixed of the issues, not fixed, meaning the result, but fixed, meaning, oh, uh, in Erie County, Ohio, where I live, oh, there might have been uh, a ballot that. Uh, uh, the thing where you put, I can't think of it right now, where you would put your ballot in the machine. You, yeah. Oh, it wasn't down for a minute where, oh, you have to put it in at this angle. No, everything's not perfect. It's the nature of the beast. Get over it. We're humans. We're not perfect. Well, I know what's not perfect is saying that story is going to get a $110 million deal. I yeah. just don't see that that is going to be uh, that the bar is going to lower that much for him. Whenever you've already seen what Corey Seager has pulled in, whenever you've already seen what Baez has pulled in, I just don't see it happening. And if it does, he's not going to sign a five-year deal for that. He'll sign no. a one-year deal for $25 million. I agree with that, for sure. I do. So we teased the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's talk more about that. Noah and I are going to give you our ballots uh, we're going to talk to you about what, how we would have voted had the hall of fame, uh, our vote counted. I've still got eight years to go, but, uh, we'll, we'll get there at one of these points. So anyway, we'll talk about that after the break here on the rocks file, Rockies report. And we are back. Kevin Henry alongside Noah Yingling here on the rocks pile Rockies report. And Noah, one thing that you and I did for fan sided, which is the parent company of rocks pile is that we submitted our Hall of Fame ballots along with the other experts for all the other sites uh, in. And while we don't know the findings or the results of the entire Hall of Fame ballot, that will be coming out on our site soon enough. Uh, Noah and I thought we'd at least share with you who we voted for today, uh, as well as maybe you know answer a couple of questions that you guys might raise some eyebrows about whenever you hear who we would vote for. So Noah... I'm going to let you go first, my friend. Especially because there's probably more questions with mine. <laughs> there might be. There so, might so. be. So I'm going to let you take it away, buddy. So first off, to preface, um, I would have voted for more than 10 had I had more than 10 spots on my ballot. That's another <laughs> thing that I think is a big flaw with the system, um, especially when you look at the representation of the different eras in baseball. And that's one thing that I... I really consider um, if you look in the 1920s, for example, the number of MLB players that were hall of famers was roughly 12, 13%. And since the eighties, that number is roughly like five, 4%. Um, and that uh, the percentage of players that is, so they, the 20s are way overrepresented. Um, 
even in the 60s or so, borderline too overrepresented. We mentioned on the last podcast, Bill Mazeroski. Bill Mazeroski doesn't hit the home run to win the 1960 World Series. He's not a Hall of Famer. Simple as that. But in this era, there's so many people that are, well, they didn't play in the 80s, so they aren't as good. No, sometimes the adage of the past is always better isn't always true. You do have to see what's in front of your eyes. You can't say, oh, well, Andrew Jones wasn't uh, Willie Mays, so he's not a Hall of Famer. No, Willie Mays is one of the top five or ten Hall of Famers of all time. You can't just have a Hall of Fame when you when you have, especially with the Negro Leagues now, you have t- over 25,000 people that have played in the majors. You can't have five people be in the Hall of Fame. That's yep. ridiculous. So I, I would have had at least 14 people on my ballot if I had unlimited. Um, however, one thing I, that I differ from Kevin on and I differ from a lot of people on is that I would not, especially for if you have a positive steroid test, sorry, you're not being considered. I know you have some on your ballot where you differ that way. I do. I would, I would really consider Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and David Ortiz. Ortiz actually had a positive test, but some of those tests in 2003 were not entirely accurate. Um, and also, too, he was actually a better player after that. So that's something to consider. He will probably get in this year. But I, if I had an unlimited ballot, I would consider him, but he's not on there. Bonds and Clemens took steroids, had no uh, negative tests. You can argue that they were a Hall of Famer before they started taking steroids. Probably true, but to me, that's playing a semantics game and trying to do mind twist and all that. Either they are or they aren't. Were they a Hall of Famer? Yeah. And I, you could argue that I'm playing a mind twister game right there. And yeah, they are a Hall of Famer, but with a character clause and there was no, there was no written rule of you couldn't take steroids, but they knew at the time it was the wrong thing to do. Now also too, that does not mean that uh, people like Bud Selig who turned a blind eye to it should be in the hall of fame, but he is, but two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, Kurt Schilling is not on my ballot. He was the past nine years, but he said he did not want to be in the hall of fame and he did not want to be, on ballots, so I can I can use them otherwise. If I would have had unlimited, I probably would have put him on. Uh, I mean, he says plenty of controversial things, but when I consider the character clause, I consider it on the field, not necessarily off. Um, so if you look at on the field, I mean, he has a career 79 and a half war. Great postseason pitcher he would be a hall of famer otherwise. So my ballot is Todd Helton, which this is a Rockies podcast. I don't need to describe any further on that. Uh, Scott Rowland, Andrew Jones, Bobby Abreu, who really flies under the radar on on a lot of people's ballots. Um, Mark Burley, Tim Hudson, Jeff Kent, Mark Teixeira, Billy Wagner, and Joe Nathan. Joe Nathan is another one that, in fact, I don't think he will even get the requisite 5%. 
really should if you look at it. Six-time All-Star. Uh, he had, let's see, especially from 2003 to 2009, he averaged, averaged a 2.04 ERA, 35 saves a year, 70 games a year, 246 saves with a 256 FIP and a .95 whip. That, that right there, it puts him close. Yeah. It, he was injured in 2010, 2012, 13. He had really good seasons as well. He had a little under 400 saves in his career. Borderline, but I would have him in. Um, Jeff Kent is another one that really flies under the radar for a lot of people. Part of it is he was not a media darling. That's why Albert Bell's not in the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, he would be in the Hall of Fame if if he uh, wasn't a complete, uh, for lack of a better term, jackass. Um, for Jeff Kent, he won the MVP award in 2000, which is arguable that he should have won it. But career 123 OPS plus. He had a total of three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons of 100 RBI or more. Um, his career average was 27 homers and 107 RBI in a season. And defensively, not great. But if you look at the offensive numbers overall, I think he's in personally. Mark Teixeira is another one. I'm not sure if he would get even the requisite 5% this year. But Career 50.6 war, 126 OPS plus in his career. Um, if you look at the numbers, I mean, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons of 100 RBI or more. He had nine seasons of 30 or more home runs in a season. And he won a few gold gloves, and they were backed up by the defensive numbers, a few silver sluggers. Uh, came in MVP voting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. He had MVP votes. Um, also, too, he played on some good Yankees teams in the late 2000s, as well as the Angels in 08, and they made the postseason as well. So he's another guy I think should get further consideration. Mark Burley, part of it is the longevity for him. Uh, he got 11% last year on his first ballot, which is actually more than I thought he would. But for a 15-year span, he made at least 30 starts a year. And in that 15-year span, he averaged a 381 ERA, 117 ERA plus. Um, and he averaged 215 innings a year. So that kind of longevity, really good defender. Um, would like to see a little bit more all-star appearances. So I... I definitely understand the borderline case with him, but longevity would have me vote for him. And then Tim Hudson. Hudson is like Scott Rowland and Larry Walker and that he was injured a lot. So that hurts him. But when you look at the overall, especially the beginning of his career, 2000, that was his second season of the majors, all-star second in uh, Cy Young award. Third year is sixth in Cy Young Award. I had a few fourth place finishes after that. Um, when he pitched, he was really good. 349 career ERA, 120 ERA plus. Um, especially if 
you look at the first, I want to say, eight years of his career, he averaged 208 innings per year. So for me, I try to look eight or so Hall of Fame years, unless you have the really high peak. Like, for example, Sandy Koufax did not have eight Hall of Fame years, but he was so dominant in those five or six years that he was a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, So that's why I would consider Prince Fielder as well, but he would not make my top 10. Um, Bobby Abreu, as we mentioned, too, he's another one that flies under the radar. Um, part of it is he didn't have necessarily the power numbers, but he had the on base numbers. And that's a big thing that, I mean, career, he has a 395 on base percentage. He only averaged 19 homers a year, but when you're getting on it nearly four, uh, your, your on base percentage is nearly 400 for 18 years. That's something that I think, especially when you look at the, entire seasons where he had one, two, three, four, five, six, and he had 800 RBI or more seasons as well. So that is my ballot. You know, and, and I'll be real curious whenever fan sides results do come out, how many voted for Joe Nathan? How many voted for yeah. Tashira? You know, I'll be real curious because I, I think the reasoning is sound. You know, I, I do. And I think, as you said, having 10 on the ballot makes for some tough decisions. Yep. You know, and we talked about that a little bit on our last podcast. And I, I agree with you completely. And I think that had 10 not been the limit, Larry Walker would have gotten in sooner. Yes. Uh, yes. I think Todd Helton would be knocking on the door, if not already in. Uh, so, you know, and I know I have seen, and so have you, some folks who have uh, been released, uh, their ballots have been released uh, through the great work of Ryan Thibodeau and not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter. Uh, you know, some people have said I've taken Helton off my ballot because he's not a 10th year guy. On the other side of this break, Kevin will have his ballot and his is a bit different from mine. That on the other side of this break here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, Neil Yingling and Kevin Henry. And Kevin, your ballot. Because you and I did go together on some, uh, but as you said, I did not. Uh, discount the the PED users. And I know that that is a hot button in and of itself, but I am also a, a guy who believes that if, if the marks were there and if it was not something that was corrected immediately by Major League Baseball, why not go ahead and let those records stand? If we're going to say Barry Bonds is the all-time home run king and there's no asterisks, there's nothing else on there, why are we saying then he can't be in the Hall of Fame? It makes, it makes no sense to me. So, yes, Barry Bonds is on my ballot. Uh, I have Abreu, Bonds, Clemens, Helton, Andrew Jones, a very underrated player, by the way. Just want to point that out. Uh, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, Roland, Gary Sheffield, and Billy Wagner. Those are my 10. And I think that uh, A-Rod is going to draw some eyeballs, obviously, whenever this comes out. Uh, however, I think you cannot, again, discount the production he put up there. I know uh, there's a lot of question about how much of it was tainted versus not. Uh, but I am also a believer, again, if you, if the numbers are still in the record book, then they should be counted toward the Hall of Fame. Sorry, uh, that's just how I believe. 
And mm-hmm. that that is a good point that I honestly wouldn't have thought of. Um, well, the one thing that I usually hear and I absolutely hate about people who would vote, whether it's fans or actual voters for Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod is, well, you can't tell the, ba- uh, the, the history of baseball without them. Bull. Bull. <laughs> Because guess what? The Hall of Fame, just because you don't have a plaque in there, doesn't mean you aren't recognized. Pete Rose is technically in the Hall of Fame because he has memorabilia in the Hall of Fame. So don't tell me that, oh, well, just because he doesn't have a plaque, he, he, th- th- that's wrong. No. Well, and, and I, I say it's an honor and a privilege, not a right. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And, you know, you mentioned Schilling. Uh, he was not on my ballot. Uh, you know, I, I have questions about whether he was a Hall of Fame player. Uh, is he a Hall of Fame person? I think it's a completely different story that we've got to take out of the narrative of all of this. Yes. You know, and I think Derek Gould, and, the, and if you get a chance, uh, read what Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch wrote about his Hall of Fame ballot and the separation of what they did on the field versus what they did off the field and after their career. I thought it was a very well-written article and it was something that really struck a chord with me. However, Schilling did not make my ballot because again, there's 10 guys on there. And, you know, I understand that Schilling has said, I don't, you know, I don't care to be in the Hall of Fame. I know he has talked about journalists in a very disparaging way uh, a number of times. I honestly tried to back out of that and say, was he a Hall of Fame pitcher? And in my mind, I don't know that he deserved one of the 10 spots that I had to give him this time. And I can, I, for me, if it wasn't for him saying, okay, I don't want to be in the hall of fame, yeah. he would have been on there. Yeah. And if you look 96 to 04, and he had a few hall of fame years before uh, 92 being the prime example. Um, but if you look 96 to 04, he averaged 31 starts a year. 223 innings a year with a 141 ERA plus a 304 FIP, a 1.075 whip. And he had three second place finishes in the Cy Young award. Mm -hmm. He had another fourth place finish. He had six all-star appearances and not to mention too, especially if you look like Oh one to Oh four, he didn't walk anybody. I mean, his strikeout to walk ratio, 01, 2, 3, and 4 was the best in all of baseball. Each of those four seasons, he walked fewer than two batters per nine innings, and he struck out in three of the four seasons, 10 or more batters per nine innings. Also, too, he won the World Series with Arizona in 2001. He was co World Series MVP. That's something to consider as well. Like with Jeter, Jeter and Walker, regular season players. Walker's the better player, but when you consider the postseason, Jeter's the better player. That's something you have to consider where Schilling in his career, he had 19 postseason starts. He was 11 and two with a 223 ERA. And again, some great stats, but I've got to go back to the quote that he said last Hall of Fame season. And I'm just going to read this verbatim. 
I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in a position to actually judge a player. I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, as I've often stated, but if former players think I am, then I'll accept that with honor. Now, those are Kurt Schilling's words. So whenever he requested to be removed from the ballot, his reasoning was not necessarily because he didn't want to be in the Hall of Fame, but because he didn't want journalists voting on it. Yeah. So if that's the case, fine. You know, then let the modern era committee, let those guys make that decision. And if that's how Schilling gets in, so be it. But if you're telling me, I don't want you to vote for me, then that tells me right there, fine. There's plenty of guys who are just as, if not more deserving on this ballot. Therefore, I'm not going to give you one of those 10 slots. Yeah. And that, that's the thing with me too. I mean, if, if, I can't speak for you, but for me, if I had unlimited spots, I would consider him. Another yeah. guy I would consider is a guy you ha- actually had on yours and Gary Sheffield. But since he's, uh, since it's a limit of 10, I, I wouldn't have him on there. And I mean, there's even some others that I, I would definitely look more closely, but like, I know, for example, David Hill, who we had on the last podcast, he is a big AJ Pierzynski guy. For ten guys, AJ Pierzynski is not anywhere close to my ballot. Yeah, and you know, again, let's remember, you know, and and I think for me that the shilling thing is going to be something that when the Hall of Fame voting comes out, there's going to be a lot of discussion about. So I'm I'm just trying to get ahead of the curve with that, and I think that when you go back and you you look, and this was back in 2016. Uh, you know, there, there was uh, him talking about that journalist lynchings are so much awesome, you know, and you can, you can Google uh, Kurt Schilling journalist lynchings if you want to read everything from the New York Post, the Washington Post, USA Today, all that during that time. I still didn't take that into account with Kurt Schilling. I got to be honest with you. I didn't. It was much more his words in the last Hall of Fame cycle where he spoke directly about the Hall of Fame rather than anything that he has said politically or even about journalists that weighed more in my mind. So um, I agree with you on that. Yeah. And and if he had been, as you said, if there had been 11 spots, if there had been 12 spots, maybe, maybe, but there were 10. And I think that there were 10 players who a were as or more deserving and B were willing to take their place in the hall of fame with the vote by the BBWA as it is right now. And that's the thing that I mentioned with Kent mentioned with Albert Bell as much as, and we were talking earlier, the, the voting process is not a perfect system, but when you're criticizing the people who are voting on you, don't be crying wolf when you don't get voted in. Correct. I agree. Agree completely. And I know that there's a lot of folks who are listening to this podcast that are going to disagree vehemently with either me or you or both of us. And uh, that's most likely me, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that's perfectly fine. You know, I, I, I can tell you uh, some friends and I have had very heated arguments about PEDs versus not in the hall of fame, you know, and that is something I think that is going to rage until the end of time. Uh, you know, but I also think that we've got to look at what do the record books say right now? And if they're still in there, you know, and, and I hate to say it, 
that also goes for Pete Rose. He's still yeah. in the record book, even though the band, everything else. So um, anyway, certainly you're welcome <laughs> to reach out to us. Tell us why we're full of gas or whatever it might be. It's perfectly fine. We you can uh, direct your hate to Kevin though, because he'll be voting in a few years. Yeah, I absolutely. Won't, so. Yep. yep. <laughs> Eight more to go, but yes, then absolutely. You know, and, and again, you know, as you and I've talked about, I will be very curious to see what the ballot looks like at that time. And have there been changes made to the voting procedure and everything else then i I don't know if there will be, but it, but I'll still be very curious to watch as this continues to develop. And before we go, another thing that I, I'm going to have to poop on the Hall of Fame for. Part of the reason why even you and I here, let alone the actual voters, are having issues with it is even, okay, let's say they still give Bonds and Clemens the records and all that stuff. But if the Hall of Fame said no, if they okay, Bonds and Clemens, maybe because they didn't have a positive test. But if you had a positive test, you're done. Okay, that clears things up. But instead, they put everybody on and said, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Judge and jury. That's what the journalists have become now. It's the judge and jury. And it puts you as a BBWA member in in a little bit of a no win scenario. Certainly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we started the podcast kind of trashing the East Coast and bias a little bit. But I think that this is a harder responsibility than a lot of people who will just tell you how dumb you are on social media think. Uh, because there's a lot that goes into these ballots and a lot of thought process that has gone into the voting. I, I believe that with all my heart. I don't know that I can say that about every ballot, including those that are Jeff Kent only or uh, are blank. Uh, but I, I think, I think that there are the vast majority though, put a lot of time and effort into who they vote for, but you know, we can still blame the East coasters because the hall of fame's in New York. So just, just blame New York. Yeah. Yep. They're the problem. Cooperstown. I know you're upstate and everything else, but sorry, uh, that, that NY you're lumped in with New York, New York city. (laughs) That is, and that nobody wants to be there. Sorry. (laughs) You guys are Uh, well. (laughs) <laughs> Those are our thoughts. As we said, the fan-sided Hall of Fame ballot will come out, uh, I'm guessing, next week. Uh, we will yep. certainly have a link to that on our site. Uh, it's also something that, you know, I hope that as next week comes, there's a little bit of news, movement, thought process about this moving forward with lockout. But we'll see. Yeah, hopefully there is. But in the meantime, we will still have plenty of stuff on Rock's file. Um, in fact, yesterday we're recording this on Sunday yesterday. Well, no, I, I wrote it yesterday. It published today. Um, how one of the guys we just talked about, Scott Rowland could have been a member of the Rockies. We'll keep looking at that, uh, drafts here in the next few days and weeks. And we'll still have plenty of other things on the site as well, as well as on call of the pen, which we're still trucking over there. And I'm, as Kevin knows, I've been working on an article for a very, very long time because it is, it is a very, very long article. Yeah, and when this article comes out, yeah, it's going to be cool. It is. So, uh, yeah, please find us, rockspile.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter if you're not already at rockspilefs. I will say we have been a little quiet on social media just because 
let's be honest. There's not a lot to tweet about right now. So uh, we'll also, wait. Uh, I'll, I'll have the hot take as we end here. Social media okay. isn't that great. What? <laughs> what? Sorry. Now, we'd rather our words get out there and let uh, Google, the Google machine, push them out to everybody as opposed to uh, social media. And, so. and I should say, I, I will back it up a little bit. There are sometimes social media is great. Some of the people we've connected with over the years, whether you or me through social media, phenomenal. Yep. But by and large, it's eh, I, I'd rather be able to delete the apps. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are days that it's a dumpster fire. There's no question about that. But every day there's something new on Rocks Pile. Every day there's, day there's something new on Call of the Pen. Make sure you're checking those out for your baseball needs during the lockout. So for my friend and fellow co-expert Noah Yingling, Kevin Henry signing off. And as always, go Rockies. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.